All right, we are live, everybody. Welcome to episode 51 of the uh, Tech Sales Insights, How Time Flies. Uh, really excited for uh, this one with uh, two power-packed, fantastic uh, executives, fantastic uh, people, Rola and Armagon. Uh, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, I guess, depending upon the, the time zone, everybody. Uh, so Rola and Armagon, how you doing? Great. Doing Excellent. well, Randy. Thanks for having us. Excellent. Very excited for this. And uh, we have a great theme, uh, winning inclusive culture for all. So if I uh, uh, start in here, uh, maybe I'll start with Rola. So uh, <clears throat> Rola, I have some uh, su surprise uh, introduction comments. So tr truth be told, we've only uh, recently met each other. So uh, certainly I know you're uh, very impressive and have an amazing background. I'm sure everybody's going to be uh, uh, really loving to uh, hear from. So uh, I have a few here. So from uh, Billy Scannell, he said, Rola is great. I would describe her as an incredible leader who puts the team first and is an incredible advocate for our partners. She's, ma she's made a very significant impact in a relatively short period of time and has incredible integrity and values. John Byrne says, when we think of grit, it's hard not to think of Rola, incredible channel champion. It's truly in her DNA, amazing team player off the charts, IQ, EQ, PQ, AQ, uh, just an all-around fantastic person who I'm privileged to call a friend. Uh, Cheryl Cook said, Rola is a strong, inspirational leader who brings her passion for all partners, advocating equality and inclusion to all she does and all she meets. Uh, Greg Ambulo says she's a fighter, born in Lebanon, escaped as a young child with the Civil War happening there, which I know we'll hear, hear about a little bit more later. Um, don't know if it's appropriate to say or not, but uh, uh, he, uh, he, he says had cancer and uh, fighting fighting COVID and uh, still still fighting through it, which is uh, amazing. So thanks for showing up here. Uh, she's a partner first and a big advocate for women involved in a number of organizations, as well as a mentor for for many women. So from some of the be best in the industry, those are pretty amazing comments. Wow. Honored and humbled. Thank you, Randy. And blessed, of course. Blessed. So thank you. Love, love these individuals. They also have a lot of impact on me. Um, and thanks for having me on the show. And of course, I'm gone. It's amazing to be in, um, uh, in on panels with you because that's how it started and how it's going. Uh, fantastic. And uh, Armagon, I have known for a long time. I think it's been uh, just over 10 years when we were at HP and you came over from 3Com. So uh, always was a, a pleasure working with you. Uh, You're always a friend of the channel then. Always uh, I was impressed with how customer centric you were. Uh, fantastic in terms of developing your team, coaching your team, and always willing to help You know, in, internally or, or externally. And it's been uh, fantastic to see your success, uh, Dell, and then now as a uh, uh, amazing leader at uh, KPM, KPMG. So uh, awesome to have you as well. So uh, uh, Rola, maybe we we'll start with you. Uh, I, I know it's hard because we could probably spend spend all day talking about your background, but maybe uh, touch on uh, your, uh, I guess, uh, personal journey, which is uh, which is amazing. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so people know me as, um, I always start by saying I'm the proudest Lebanese you'll ever meet, but the most grateful Canadian for what uh, Canada has offered people like me, um, the stamp of hope. Thank you. you. Oh, Canada. Canada. Awesome. Canada. Awesome. And next time we'll make sure you have it on just like our prep call, uh, but we'll go. support your Red Sox team for sure. 
Um, so uh, most of my life, uh, I mean, as a teenager, grew up in Lebanon during the war, escaped Lebanon back in 1989. I have uh, five sisters, so I come from a family of all girls. And uh, my dad taught us all that there's no difference between, you know, a girl and boy, what a boy could do, a, a girl could do. So uh, we're all tough and um, and uh, our past did not define us. It actually uh, shaped us to who we are today, especially with all the st struggles that I have been going through and um, continue to fight. I value so much um, of the women that I have been as a, you know, as a sister, as a daughter, as a mother, and as a leader. But most importantly, what I value today is the survivor and the fighter that I continue to be. Uh, during these times. Um, my journey started in Canada in 1989. I came in and I started working at a retail shop um, and then uh, moved from retail to telemarketer at Bell Canada. I was the annoying one calling over long distance, managed to switch over from Sprint to AT&T to Bell. That was me, fell in love with technology, uh, loved being able to help people through technology and connecting people and connecting the dot. Uh, moved into sales um, and uh, I could uh, I could tell you that people used to say, well, I can sell snow to the Eskimos and I still could sell now. Um, 15 years at Bell Canada um, and then 15 years I actually came to Dell Technology and that's what I actually had the pleasure of meeting Armagon. Um, have interviewed me at the time at HP and then gave me all the buying signals and he disappeared for a month. And I'm like, wow, what happened there? Because I thought I slam dunked the interview and I got the job. So he called me 30 days later. Actually, he messaged me on LinkedIn to say, hey, I'm sure you remember me, but I thought you were amazing. I left HP and I came to Dell and I knew that I wanted to hire you at Dell. And that's how it started. And that's how it's going 10 years later. Um, so, um, uh, so at Dell, of course, when Armagon hired me for the uh, technology role, I was an account manager. So I went from an account manager to a manager to a director to a VP in three years. And I didn't know I wanted to be a leader. Uh, and that's when, uh, uh, if anyone knows Armagon, knows that Armagon is one of those mentors that push you out, out of your comfort zone. And the most learning that you'll ever have is knowing someone like smarter than you. Um, so, um, so what I did is I actually uh, got out of my comfort zone, took the role as a leader working for Armagon's team, and then moved up. I loved my role at Dell for five years. And when I was at Bell Canada at the time, I was trying to work for Cisco and they didn't hire me. I attempted three times and they didn't hire me as an account manager, but they called me for the president role when I was at Dell and I thought they dialed the wrong number. And they did say, we know who uh, we've been following your success. And, um, and here it is, 17 interviews later, I got the job of the president of Cisco Canada. It was an awesome opportunity for me that I learned from. And um, three years later, uh, Billy called me and Michael said, uh, your assignment of training is over. It's time to come home. And here I am back home. Um, uh, again, thinking of comfort and growth don't coexist. I did a lot of great things at Cisco, but I knew I could get and learn a lot more from a global role. And uh, I'm back home 
when uh, Billy called, and it's been an amazing one year minus COVID. Uh, it's been an amazing one year of learning and continue to get out of my comfort zone. Well, fantastic. Look forward to uh, hearing more. And uh, Tucker posted a nice comment from Jennifer. Jennifer, thanks for the kind comment. And uh, Armagan, how about you? Uh, uh, started as a uh, immigrant from Pakistan. Yeah, like, you know, Randy, uh, you and I have now known each other, as you said, almost a decade. And uh, all these names you mentioned, uh, you know, are people that we've had a... <laughs> amazing fortunate to, to work with, but, you know, just listening to Rola's story is just so humbling and inspiring. And I'm sure uh, people are going to hear more of these stories, uh, you know, from diverse people that are coming from either diverse from a gender perspective or, you know, from uh, an inclusion standpoint, and especially everything we're talking about with the sustainable planet. It's so important to really think about people's actual purpose and, um, and stories. So always, uh, you know, blessed to hear amazing stories like these. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to speak. Yeah, so I, I was an immigrant, uh, you know, left uh, Pakistan at the age of 15 with $100 in my pocket. I don't think I've ever told you this story, but, you know, uh, coming to a country with didn't speak a word of English and, uh, and everything that, uh, you know, North Americans uh, have given people like myself and Rola, it's just amazing. And this is, you know, when they say, as an immigrant, uh, either from India or Pakistan, Lebanon, or China or Eastern Europe, um, this is the land of dreams that you're able to take somebody who had $100 in their pocket and today they're talking to Randy Seidel. So it's, uh, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, I started uh, my career, uh, even that's, uh, I always challenge Rola on her you know, call center. I'm like, hey, what's the entry level sales job? Usually it's the call center job. I'm like, no, it's actually called the retail floor where you sell computers to the first person that comes inside the door. Actually, no, it was pumping gas, Armagon. That yes, was that's true. I was, yeah, well, pumping gas was the was the non-tech job uh, yeah. <laughs> at night, which is, you know, uh, graveyard shifts from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. and putting yourself through school. But more importantly than, you know, when people give you an opportunity, and again, it's mentorship, it's sponsorship. Somebody saw that, you know, this guy uh, can, uh, can have a conversation with people and, uh, can, can do something in sales. I was given an opportunity and uh, it was Tandy Corporation, Computer City. If you remember back then, that was my first job in 1993. And uh, uh, it you know, turned out to be something that I was really good at. Uh, no one ever makes a you know, hundred grand off the floor. And I did, uh, and it's called having a base salary of $6 and 10 cents an hour and uh, selling everything that had a spiff next to it, Randy, if you remember what spiffs were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so, you know, did that and then, you know, ended up working at some other resellers that we actually sold to Insight um, uh, and, and then got involved with some private equity, ended up moving to the U.S. Uh, based out of New Hampshire, by the way, uh, a company called Cabletron Systems to then Interesis. And then ended up at 3Com, uh, mostly doing you know U.S. and uh, European and Asian markets international assignments. And then ended up uh, we turned 3Com around with Ron Segi and Alex Dobson and Mike Ainsley and some amazing people who ended up coming over uh, to HP where we met you. And when we were shopping 3Com, uh, we also had a chance to meet with Michael Dell at that time. And uh, and then, you know, when Michael was ready to, you know, build out his networking experience uh, at Force 10 and a few other assets, ended up joining Dell. And just to maybe finish Rola's story, she was being very humble. We hired 
uh, Rola, and, and yes, I did have a non-solicitation, so that's why I couldn't hire you, Rola, because <laughs> non-solicitation agreements are binding. <laughs> and uh, and then Adele, uh, she became the fastest growing, uh, you know, sales rep to the manager level, to a director level, to a vice president level. And Dell at that time was a very flat structure to to have, you know, uh, forget just anybody, but especially a woman lead uh, that fast was just incredible. And you know, I always. Uh, Say to say to others that you know you learn from your failures uh, more than your successes, and you know you have to be courageous and don't be afraid to make bold moves. Uh, Rola mentioned that growth and comfort doesn't coexist, and you know you're not what you have done; it's what uh, you have overcome. And you know she's certainly overcome a lot, and there are a lot of others who have overcome. But most importantly, we all love servant leadership and sending the elevator down to others, and uh, that's what mentorship and sponsorship is all about. And now if you look at, you know, what role is impacting and Randy, what you're impacting, it's just incredible. Oh, that's amazing. So Armagan, you mentioned, uh, you know, mentorship a few times. So, um, I mean, how, how did you know that Rolla was the one? And, you know, certainly you come across thousands of people, you know, every, every year. How did you, I don't say select and then kind of how's that cultivation process played out? Well, you know, uh, you look for things in people that you admire and, you know, very quickly, uh, you know, Randy, you and I both ran enough larger sales organizations to realize uh, people who have that twinkle in their eye, uh, the passion, the purpose driven. It's not just about making a number, but someone who's mission oriented, uh, who is willing to talk about, you know, their struggles right off the bat and being authentic. Um, and not a mask like, you know, Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible that you take the mask off after 30 days yeah. and then, oh, that's who you really are, right? So uh, it's, you know, uh, she's always proactively managed her career, respected the past and, you know, never really, um, you know, wanted to uh, hide the past. It was always about, and that was something, by the way, uh, I think you were mentioning some others, uh, Rola probably uh, leads with, uh, more EQ, emotional quotient and adaptability quotient and purposeful quotient than just IQ. And I always say, I think, by the way, McKinsey and, uh, and uh, you know, Harvard and others have done all enough studies to say that, you know, people uh, who actually lead with EQ and lead with the adaptability quotient uh, really do end up doing well. And she's a perfect example of that, Randy, and so are you. I, I have to add by saying um, you meet people in your life for a reason, in a season, in a lifetime. Yeah. And it just um, it wasn't long when I knew that, you know, when I first got interviewed by Armagon, he dis disappeared for 30 days and then, you know, offered me the job uh, um, through his leader that this individual was going to be in my life for a long time. Um, why is because I felt he was taking chances and he took a chance on me. Uh, and great leaders are all about taking chances on people. Shame on us as leaders now as we get to the top. We don't open doors like the way Armagon opened the door for me at Dell Technology, knowing that I did not come from a manufacturing background. I came from Bell. I sold telco. I sold connectivity and network. Um, but I have to say that um, when I talk about mentorship and sponsorship, 
and I mentor and I sponsor a lot of people. Uh, I say, I always say, go find someone that is going to challenge you, not someone that's going to pat you on the back. And I do say that. I know Armagon doesn't like it, but um, he, he is the toughest mentor you could ever hope to have. And that is exactly how you shape yourself to be the leader that you need to be. So, but it was a two-way street. When he talks about my EQ and I come from a high EQ because I didn't have the opportunity to go to university and get a degree. Uh, I don't have any formal degrees. What I have is PhD in life. What I have is, you know, a university degree from a get shit done degree. That's, yeah. that's, that's how I've been taught, right? And it became a two-way mentoring for me in the Armagon where I got all the IQ and I continue to get the IQ. It's like, he's like, uh, he tells me all the time, Rola, I feel like I give you Zazu technology report when we talk, which is true because he's got a broader scope and he thinks outside of just the manufacturing world where I, in return, it was an EQ conversation from my side to his side. And those are the, the leadership uh, approaches that we need to see more than ever now of how it's a two-way, it's not just a one-way, and it's not a box that you check. And my advice to everybody who's listening, when you find that individual in your life, ensure that they're challenging you and giving you exactly what you need to hear, not what we want to hear. And then that is the only thing that this individual will help you turn your struggle into wisdom and turns your struggle into empowerment in the future. And, and Randy, I, I always say, listen, uh, there's lots of people who take initiatives. Uh, I always say initiative is interesting. It's finitive. That's fascinating, right? People who actually can finish the initiative, right? So, That's so a good one, Armagon. <laughs> finish it, there you go. So I, le I learned finitive and then the GSD degree, get shit done degree. So yeah. <laughs> it was all good. And There's more uh, acronyms, but we won't tell them because I'm, they might be PG for this audience. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I know you're both really passionate about, you know, servant leadership. Uh, Armagon, what's your thoughts there? Well, listen, you know, I, I think gone are the days. Listen, I'm a Gen Xer. I was uh, trained by baby boomers, right? Uh, my parents were baby boomers. My coaches, mentors were baby boomers. And and then now Gen Xers are myself, Rola, and probably Randy yourself as well. And then you go into, are you borderline? I'm not sure. Are you borderline? Yeah. Are you borderline? It's, it's how you feel. Like, it's, not, it's not age. It's how you feel. It's, it's not how you feel. <laughs> exactly. And, and then you have the millennials, right? So in my organization, like at KPMG, globally, we have 230,000 people. And 67% of our employee base now is millennials, 67%. And millennials are extremely focused on experiences over assets. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really all about how you are not just talking about servant leadership, but it's how you are purposeful and how you are aligning to their purpose and their mission orientation is much, much more important. And, you know, yeah, you know, you would learn servant leadership, be humble, lead with vulnerability. That's how I was taught. Um, but I, I really, truly believe that I think with this new uh, great resignation post-pandemic that everyone's talking about because people want to serve their purpose a lot more, their work, uh, or the great reshuffle that people are talking about that LinkedIn is saying, uh, it, it is a new way of thinking. And I think servant leadership really does connect into 
that level of thought process. And I'm, I'm, you know, Rolla leads with that in a big way. So maybe Rolla, you want to add more to it? Yeah, I would say for me, it's always been um, leadership is not a title that you carry and it's not just a position that you show off. It's an action that you take. Leadership for me is leading with your heart, soul and mind, right? Because gone are the days where people want to join, you know, an an organization because of the brand and the name. They want to they want to join an organization because of the culture, because of the purpose, because of the impact in the inspiration that organization brings. Um, and when Armagon talks about servant leadership, to me is like we have um, we have our duties to actually make our people feel safe by providing that psychological safety in the workplace that everybody's craving. Because in the old days, it's uh, it was better that you go and you just hug everybody and make them feel better. But today, more than ever, is um, as much as we are far apart, we need to be there for each other as leaders. So I've always believed and I always lead by learn it, earn it, return it. And I learned everything in life and I continue to learn because when you think that you know it all and just stay home because that's when you stop growing, you earn it because nothing is given. I remember when I was at Dell and I wanted to go for the director role and Armagon uh, opened the requisition and was interviewing externally. I'm like, that's my role. I've been doing it. What are you talking about? What, what? He goes, no, you have, you earned it, but you have to earn it with everybody else. So he made me go through 10 interviews, uh, knowing that the job was mine, but I earned it, right? So once you learn it and earn it, time for us to return it back and send the elevator down to lift other people up. So and we ensure that we continue to be the student of life, right? How we as leaders need to you know, when we talk about learning is learn to unlearn. People will tell me at the beginning when I first became a leader, I would go from zero to 100, meaning like my fiery approach will come up and it's just like, oh, did you say that? Let me tell you how I feel. Now I just sit back and listen to understand, don't listen to speak or judge or criticize. And then, you know, the one thing is most importantly is just be uh, authentic, be yourself as a leader, because for us as leaders, what helped me be where I am today is being me has allowed me to be who I am, but also allowed other people to feel comfortable being themselves around me. Yeah, and I, I would just add to that, Randy, that leading with authenticity is servant leadership, right? Because, you know, be yourself because everyone else is taken and, you know, stop pretending. The pretend game is done. You know, I, by the way, baby boomers, like I, when, when I was learning, it was a lot of, Hey, you know, you set you sit in this hierarchy and the hierarchy was set up after world war II. So the corporate hierarchy is the same thing after the world war II, command and control style. This is your role. You sit in this box. And I think no one cares how much, how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Right. So you have to create relevance and not just awareness and how you create relevance is with authenticity and that's psychological safety and and getting people the opportunity to unlearn and be okay to unlearn in this disruptive behavior. That goes a long way. And I think servant leadership is not just about, you know, that you're just serving others. You're truly inversing the hierarchy and you're flattening it and you're truly empowering people so that they feel like that they are 
in this boat with you and they're rowing versus there's a leader who's yelling at them from the front to say roll faster right that's that that world is over yeah that's great so for those uh watching along uh, uh you can see us we can't see you uh but feel free to post any uh other comments or questions that you have uh we've got uh rola dagger who's the channel chief at dell massive job and uh, armagan ahmed who's uh president at kpmg so feel free to ask any questions along the way here. So the tough, uh, one, the tough one go to Armagon. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll make we'll make sure. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll jump in front of the chair. No, I'm just kidding. Bring it, bring it. I, I put her through ten interviews, so she's going to bring me back now in a big way. No, no. I think she saw. I think she may need some uh, counseling or therapy. Right? I think she's. Still, <laughs> I think she saw some issues there with that. But anyway. no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I love it. That's the part of shaped me to be where I am today. There, there you go. Uh, I think you're well shaped before that. Um, anyway, the uh, what? What? Are, no, so we're talking about servant leadership. Leadership. So, kind of, how have your leadership styles evolved uh, over the years, uh, Armagan? Listen, I think the leadership um, it's evolved in different ways. I had to personally unlearn a lot of behavior that that I would have with this type of a hierarchy versus a bottom-ups hierarchy that I was talking about. I had to really learn about psychological safety, growth mindset, understand that people languish in different ways. Uh, what does languishing mean? Uh, you know, where people feel tired during the pandemic, for example. Uh, you know, it's not that they're feeling tired, if they're not inspired. And what is the role of leaders to inspire them? so that they're coming out of this languishing feeling that Adam Grant talks about. Uh, I, I also think that I think, you know, our, our, I grew up in sales. I was more of a technical sales individual than just a sales individual. And then I, you know, went into leading product groups and, uh, uh, and other, uh, other groups that, you know, it was more related to marketing or sales or services and product development and research and development. I, I had to adjust my learning style by unlearning a lot of the behaviors that you know I may have learned growing up as a systems engineer to a sales rep to then a product management person or a product marketing person or even as an engineer, right? So I, I think it really needs to be different. Uh, I, I think uh, you know our leadership needs to adjust to market needs, and I know your organization is sales community and it's focused on sales. Uh, you know, I, I really think sales is getting disrupted in a big way. Uh, you know, the, gone are the days of, you know, you stop grabbing somebody's elbow on the way to the elevator and saying, hey, you know, are you going to send me the PO, right? Yeah. And uh, gone are the days of you having that type of relationship because relationships have changed. You know, who do you go to when only 10 or 15% of your clients or customers are, are coming into the office? How are you going to build that trust? Yeah. Trust with a capital letter is trust is what us sales individuals developed. So I think there needs to be almost like two different types of sales structures going forward. And, and leaders have to sort of think about that. First one, Randy, in my opinion is, you know, people or customers who are buying, you know, the best price or they, if you want to run the play through the channel or DMRs or an SPs or distribution, you know, you know what that play is and you participate in an open bid and, and you go after it. That is a low cost to serve, less trust, less relationship transaction. Then there is the second big piece, which is really, you know, do you, do you want a Southwest airline experience or do you want a United experience or do you want a, 
shared private jet experience or do you really want a customized jet that we will create for you experience? And quite honestly, I think our buyers are extremely intelligent. They understand. There's a reason I, after working in vendors after so long, channel partners, vendors, I'm at KPMG with the big four like Deloitte, EY, McKinsey, because the advice that we are giving, we always talked about solution selling. And I think there's never been more of an important role for sales professionals than now to really pivot and become true advisors, to build trust so that your buyers know what you need. And I think leadership to me in sales really is about that pivot, is how you help these sales professionals become true advisors. Yep, yeah, if I could add to what Armagon said, um, I think as leaders, uh, I equate, well, myself, at least, Armagon, um, you and I have talked about this, is like, you know, our phones, we get the software upgrades on our phones all the time. And um, I, I could tell you, I went from Roller 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and I continue to upgrade my software brain release and my style of leading. Uh, to me, leaders more than ever today need to be vulnerable, need to be visible, and need to be more empathetic. Today, more than ever, leaders have to show up strongly. They have to stand up firmly, and they have to speak up with so much conviction to help their teams because the world has gone through so much and it's gone are the days we do what's right for us as leaders. It's what's right for our people, for our community and for our customers and partners. Sales is about trust. And in the old days, I could tell you that if I call my old customer back in the days when I used to sell, they'll still pick up my phone because they trusted Rolla. They didn't trust Bell. It's not Bell. It's not Cisco. It's not Dell. It's you, Randy. It's you, Armagon, of how you fought hard for that customer and partners to make them feel valuable. And that is more than ever today as servant leaders, we have to do that to ensure that our customers and our people and culture is being uh, inspired and then impacted. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's um, kind of a handicap, I guess, for some that are, you know, especially uh, people changing jobs, younger coming in, if they don't have those, you know, relationships. And you know, to me, relationships are all about trust, right? You know, know me, like me, trust me. Um, so a lot, especially I would say on the Dell channel side has, looks like Armagon, you want to Time in. No, I just wanted to uh, double down on your point there, Randy, because, you know, that relationship point. So think about you reached out to me. You and I have a 10 year old relationship. You can bank on that relationship. And you and I said, hey, you know what? Uh, who else should we bring? And we're like, I had a relationship with Rola. I'm like, hey, we can bank on that relationship. How do you build new relationship in this new world order is the yeah. challenge. And and I think the opportunity when you ask the question, what does you know, what is how have I changed, the role has changed our leadership styles. It's the need of the customer, the new customer experiences, the, the, the age of personalization. As Rola mentioned, like you can't just take your phone and uh, you know iOS uh, gets updated or Android operating system gets updated regardless of if you like it or not, uh, by the time you wake up, it's updated, right? Yeah. Here, you have to spend time on upgrading yourself. And 
gone are the days that, you know, you came out of Boston College, uh, Randy, and, you know, you did a four-year degree and it's done. It's learning every day and surrounding yourself with a network that will be your net worth going forward, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, my, my net worth is you and Rola and many others, right? That is my net worth. Uh, and, and I think a lot of the next generation needs to think about how do they build uh, new relationships in this new world order? And uh, because our buyers um, are are very well educated, they can get every PDF on the planet on Dell's website, and but they don't understand why they can't digitally transform, and and that is a big issue um, in the world at this time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, question from Linda Rola: What skills do you think salespeople need to invest in moving forward? Your EQ, double down, triple click on it, uh, because today more than ever, your EQ and PQ. By the way, I just heard the PQ yesterday from Randy. And oh, that's from John Burns. I was yeah, so Randy got a messenger. From John, yeah, from John Burns. So definitely is, you know, in the old days, we used to hire for IQ. IQ was like, how many degrees? Bring it. Let me hire you based on your certification. Today, you could have 10 certifications, but if you can't connect with a customer, if you cannot connect with your team and be collaborative, emotionally connected, it is, it's extremely different. As a leader, that's what I've hired based on. And uh, I will tell you, EQ today, well, welcome to the world of EQ where it meets IQ. Is th This decade is all about emotions, emotions everywhere, a job emotions, every role in skill needs emotion, every organization to retain and attract talent needs emotion. So I will tell you, please focus on the EQ and the PQ, which is the purpose. And I'll add another PQ there where your passion is because your passion drives and fuels your success. So make sure once you have all of that, you could sell snow to the Eskimo. There you go. Uh, yes, we're getting a lot of good. We got a uh, passion quotient, purpose quotient. We could probably get you know, come up with some others and maybe write, write a book on the PQ, P's and Q's. Yeah. Uh, Amargan, what would you uh, add there? Listen, I think it's also adaptability quotient is important, the AQ. And I think there is a DQ, decency quotient, because, um, you know, uh, MasterCard, their CEO, there was a Harvard Business Review that I read about it where, you know, they had to rejiggle MasterCard's global workforce by 100,000 people that they had to, you know, depart. And, but their Glassdoor rating as a CEO and the executive team was very high. Why? Because they took the time to be decent to their workforce and how they placed everybody who had to pivot away from either MasterCard to somewhere else. I think decency quotient is super important for leaders. Um, you need to be very high on your decency and ethical uh, attributes. Uh, gone are those days of the old sales culture. And I think uh, welcome to the new world of decency quotient. Uh, I think also the adaptability where you have to proactively manage your career. You have to respect the past. Uh, and really move, uh, you know, your your conditions, because I always say your conditions don't have to be your conditioning, right? Yep. Uh, you can really move towards a model where you adapt to this new approach. Yep. Adaptability totally. question. Yep. 
and I'll uh, I'll chime in, Linda, on one. There's obviously a whole laundry list we can come up with, but I uh, take it from the concept of what I'd call traditional uh, value selling, uh, going back to EMC days before you, you all were there with somebody, Jeff Goldberg, rest his soul, that was kind of very, very focused in training us all there. And, you know, one of the several takeaways was, you know, you can have 50 slides of technical mumbo jumbo, but ultimately, you know, when something gets proposed, it's kind of a CFO or budget, you know, who's going to, you know, win those dollars. And you can kind of simple it down to if you're in the elevator with the CFO and you have 30 seconds, what are you going to talk about? Right. And it's all about yeah. how's your solution going to impact the revenue line, the, the cost line, the profit line, competitive advantage, market share, things that are really business drivers. So, um, Linda, I would say, you know, focus on the aspect of, you know, kind of if it's a proposal into the quarter, you know, who's going to spend money on what? And you got to make sure you're generating value for for that customer. So uh, just a quick one, uh, Linda, is storytelling is extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, you here today, I, I mean, anybody that comes to me with 50 slides, if you can't tell me your message and you can't tell me the story in the first slide, I don't want to see the 49s, uh, the rest of the slides, right? So it, it doesn't matter. It depends on who you're meeting with, right? Slides and data is extremely important. But at the same time, how you tell the story today, more than ever, it tracks any leader. Absolutely. So just uh, thinking about that, uh, Rola, if you think about a lot of the traditional channel partners, they're, you know, you know, product resellers, the sales teams mostly are paid off of the margin. A lot of times those channel reps, you know, kind of maybe don't get managed as well as they would if they're kind of in your, your environment. So how have you seen those channel successful channel partners kind of evolve uh, with the sales skills that you need, talking about the storytelling, certainly talking about that value selling aspect of things? Yeah, a great question, Randy. I could tell you I grew up in the channel and being um, you know, a leader for the two largest technology organizations in the world and they're very heavy channel driven I still, I, I mean, channel, the channel organization has done a great job. Our partner has done a good job, but we still have a long way to go because there's a lot of siloed approach, right? It's because it's the flavor of the month, be it storage, be it uh, switching, be it uh, server, be it PCs. It's just always the pressure of, um, of selling the product versus the solution. And more than ever today, I'm seeing our partners investing in um, in the solution approach. I remember Armagon 10 years ago when we were at Dell started, you know, they called it the blueprint, which is basically a solution approach to selling. And I love cars. And, uh, and I could tell you, it's like uh, buying a car. When is the last time you built your own car? Unless you're Elon Musk that you have all that money and go build your own car, you walk into the dealer, buy the car, drive it off the lot. That's the that's the experience that we need to help our partners and customers actually hand to the hand them the key and drive off the lot. So there's still a lot of silos, but we're seeing the integration in terms of helping them understand the Dell technology platform. Because digital transformation is not about one opportunity or one project. Digital transformation is about a journey. And how are you on the journey with your partner and customers to get them to where they need to be? 
So uh, I'm seeing a lot of good things happening, but we still need to push a lot of other partners to get them elevated. But the most important thing is for us as adult technologies, we continue to empower them, we continue to enable them and kind of get out of their way so they can go out there and make the difference in terms of how do they sell the as a service model? Because everybody's talking about it, but who's actually doing it and doing it right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm going to shift gears here. I'm, I'm sure you can. You can I'm just going to gonna add. I'm just going to add one thing because I can't resist on the channel because I spent so much of my time, uh, you know, working in the channel and then, you know, uh, at HP and then Dell on their channel strategy. I'll tell you something. I, I think. Uh, the Dell approach on, and again, I've worked at HP, I worked at 3Com, I worked at EMC, VMware, and others. But I'll tell you, I think Michael's first book was The Direct Way, and Michael's second book is, uh, you guys know what the second book title is? Come on, somebody should have that book, and we should like put it up right I now. <laughs> it, it's it, Michael talks about play nice but win, right? There so you go. We have to, you have to make sure that uh, you know there are both ways just like i was talking about there's two sales motions just like that there are motions with the channel partners who are going to be on that volume motion and and as you said their their sales reps are paid on commission and others and they have to move products that's okay and that's your volume play but then the value play really does need to be uh, as rola mentioned needs to be much more connected you know when i I was at Dell, we had this Dell Blueprints and Dell Ready Solutions. And you remember the whole VCE at EMC. What they did was rather than selling parts, you sell a car. I think now at these big four firms and these you know, digital software engineering, you're actually seeing this incredible opportunity. And by the way, like Randy and Rola, I was looking at some numbers this morning getting ready for this. IDC is saying that 60% of the global GDP is digital now, digitized, it's innovation economy. And they're saying it's gonna drive $6.8 trillion of direct digital transformation investments by, ready for this, 2023, which is two and a half years from now, or two, two years and two months from now. So the opportunity for the value side of this channel and system integration is to truly help the customers front-end experiences that they need to offer. So what does that mean? So if you're JP Morgan Chase, how is your experience with the actual consumer going to look like? If you're Walmart, what is the experience you're providing, not just on retail, but healthcare and financial services? And then you connect that front office to your operations in the middle office. And then the back office of, you mentioned this, Randy, the CFO, the chief HR officer around talent, and your CIO. So it cannot be just back office selling anymore. So I, I think the opportunity for the channel is immense. And I'm already seeing these consolidations that are happening with, you know, CDW buying Sirius and you're seeing, you know, uh, Presidios of the world and the WWT. I think there is a huge consolidation that's happening where people are getting ready for that 6.8 trillion TAM that's available. But, but I think Dell has the right approach. You got to look at velocity and you have to really look at the value side as well. Yeah. So it sounds like knowing your uh, business, uh, what, what you're doing at KPMG, sounds like your quota, quota just went up. Uh, before we get to Ginger's question, I want to kind of uh, make, make sure we cover most important topic around diversity. So uh, Armagon, what have you seen kind of working now? It's obviously huge, important, vital. Um, kind of what are your thoughts there? 
Listen, I, listen I, I'll maybe just start because I think uh, diversity and inclusion, especially st step up one more is ESG, your environmental, social and governance responsibility for sustainable living, sustainable planet is huge. Uh, I think that is what every conversation should start with, with a customer or a client and, and it should start with that and everything you do underneath it should be connected to the ESG uh, topic because I think the environmental topic on how you sell your product, you sell your software, how you sell your services needs to be very much focused on what planet we're going to leave for the next generation. And then the social attributes of how you ensure that this new innovation economy that I was referring to this digital economy, it's growing three to six X faster than our traditional third industrial revolution economy. And that economy doesn't matter if you lived in India or China or North America, it was set the, the table in Las Vegas was set for one demographic. Uh, you know, be it your color, your race, your uh, color, your skin, or your sexual preference. I think this new digital economy and innovation economy is, is an opportunity where everyone gets the opportunity to participate, right? And and I, I, Rola speaks about this in public a lot. So why don't I turn it over to Rola so she can double click and provide you a lot more than that. Yeah, I, I was, I mean, with everything that's happening today, DNI is not a box that you check. It's not just a strategy that you have in an organization to meet the, you know, the every box and just say, oh yeah, we're doing it, right? The world has been fighting. I, I mean, the last 18 months has been fighting COVID, but the world has been fighting. Racism has been fighting many things for many years. And I could tell you, I mean, you look at Armagon, you look at myself, we did the system wasn't set up for people like me or Armagon, for example, to get to executive levels. You had to fight through it. I mean, in Canada, I mean, as an immigrant, you know, English is not my first language, a woman in IT, all of that things, uh, all those things you look and say, OK, well, hang on a second. But someone took a chance on me, which is I'm grateful for. And um, and I, I look at what Armagon does with women now, other women in Canada and what I do with young women. And that is the diversity that we need at the table. It's not hiring people that look like you and speak like you and do the, the same things like you. And what I'm doing as a leader is ensuring that bring, I bring someone that can challenge me, that looks completely different and that has a completely different um, look to the business in view in terms of how do we continue to go out there and ensure that we're making that difference in the world. And um, I mean, for me, is it's not, it's not just the right thing to do. It is the smartest thing to do for every single business because diversity drives everything that you need. Because if you have the same mindset and the same people, the definition of insanity for us to continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. So I encourage, I actually don't just encourage, I challenge everybody on this call today, look around the room. I mean, if you're not in a physical room, uh, we still are remote in Canada, but look around your Zoom. And if everybody looks like you, then you've got a lot of work ahead of you. Yeah, yeah they always say, you know, um, if you're the smartest person in the room, find a different room. 
Yep. Right? You want to learn from different uh, you know, different people and different people come from different backgrounds. They have different stories, immigrant stories, war stories to, you know, not everybody plays football. Not everybody plays soccer either. Not everybody plays cricket either. Not everybody, you know, likes sports. Um, I think people who languish and struggle is because they cannot relate. Right. Um, and that's something very important that we as leaders have to be aware of that, there is a lot of mental health challenges that people are going through, especially during the pandemic. It's gone nuts. It's, it's at a level that I have, like, I don't think any of us have personally seen in the past. Uh, I'm sure, Randy, you know people, Rola, you know people, I know people in my direct family who are struggling with mental health and, and they're languishing and they need to find purpose and they need to find their mission. And I think us leaders, if we spend more time not, as Rola said, checking the box for diversity, but actually making the hard decisions to say, we are going to create relatability skills. We are going to help them find their flow, right? Like during the pandemic, I, you know, Mario Kart was something I used to play with my kids when they were young. And, you know, we found Mario Kart to play online with my sister's kids who are living in different parts of the continent. And, you know, just find different ways that people can connect and, uh, and, and have some purposeful mission orientation. It's not always have to be about work, but if you can make work fun uh, somehow and, uh, and get people, uh, diverse people to, uh, to integrate and feel like that they have a home, well, guess what? There's a huge talent and labor shortage right now. You won't have that issue if, if, you, if you take a different leadership style. Uh, absolutely. And then uh, my belief, too, so totally violent agreement, everything you just said, <clears throat> but I think it also has to shift into the college ranks where you say, OK, well, you know, how can we all extend ourselves in there to say, OK, for for women, for those diverse backgrounds, sales is actually a, a great field that you can go into. And it's it's amazing. There are some sales. I was talking to some of the University of Alabama last week that runs undergrad sales program. They have 200 people that have it as, as a minor. But you would think such a practical job and profession that people would, you know, more, more universities would, 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 would be there. So again, probably a lot, lot longer discussion for sure, but I want, I want to get to Ginger's question here. Ginger, thank you so much. Um, so uh, uh, roll up, maybe uh, start with you here. What, what qualities, and you obviously mentioned a lot, but any additional qualities that you'd value in your team? Uh, what do you look for when building a team? So you certainly highlighted all the kind of importance of you know diversity in terms of you know number one and the backgrounds and values and everything else any other things that come to mind yeah i think you covered it randy but uh to me more than ever today is uh, i value the most about my team is their incredible believe in together we can do anything um working as a team today more than ever uh, because we don't have that physical connection. I call it the human connectivity, the human network where more than ever we need to be extremely aligned. Um, I look for people that have um, a different approach into the de de determination. No matter how many times they fail, they know that they can learn from it and then they could actually bring their best practice to work and worst practice as well to their team members. I look for people that value the difference that we make collectively as a team. And most importantly, 
I look for people that actually could help me learn and be a better leader every day. Well, that's great. Uh, Armagon? Yeah, I think Willa covered that answer really well, and you covered that answer really well. I'm just repeating. All right, there, there you go. So uh, we're, we're getting to tail end here. Uh, you've both been fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, so maybe for uh, last question, uh, what, what advice would you give to your younger self, uh, Rola? Um, my younger self, I wish I pre, I actually practiced what I preach today. Um, I lived my life uh, for everybody else when I was uh, younger and what I, um, advice I give um, today is I wish I actually hear my voice back when I was uh, young. But you know what? Again, we go through, as, through things in life. Um, and uh, I could tell you um, it makes us stronger every day. But uh, yeah, just be you because everybody else is taken. So I, my advice to me, just be you, Rola. Oh, that's great. Uh, Armagon? You know, uh, Randy, it took a while for me to unlearn a lot of my uh, my development areas. And, you know, uh, what I had to finally get through my head was no one cares how much you know until uh, they know how much you care, right? And uh, so I had to figure out how to actually create relevance and not just awareness about myself and relevance about others. And that's an important thing to do. And you know, you do that by serving, um, not just serve leadership, it's life of service, how you practice a life of service more uh, by sending the elevator down. You know, I am who I am, Rola, and I'm sure Randy, you would agree. We are who we are because of the mentors and the sponsors. And it's not just weekly mentor checkpoints, right? Like there's this guy, Brian Humphreys, who was at Dell. And I think the best time I had at Dell when I was there was under him. Uh, and he's now the CEO of Cognizant, leading, leading 300,000 people. But he was a very direct, uh, he was always about, you know, work hard, play hard kind of guy. And he always just, you know, when you would work, you would work in an environment that you are truly creating relevance. And then when we are, you know, play hard was a lot more about enjoying, you know, the company that you keep. And, you know, I always learned something. Mike Fabiashi at Interesis at Cabletron, uh, you know, he always said, surround yourself with people who challenge you and continually cause you to rethink your assumptions, right? And, uh, and you know, I continue to try to, as Rola said, listen to understand and not listen to speak. Because as a leader, leadership is just situational. Just, this just happened to be today. Uh, I don't have a huge, you know, title or large organizations that, you know, that you have to be leading. That's situational. Uh, a great boss is very hard to find and difficult to leave but impossible to forget. And I think if somehow we can understand that our leadership is situational, and once you find a great leader, uh, you know, you you ensure that you invest in, in that great leader because that is where reciprocity comes down. Yep, absolutely, fantastic. Well said, and uh, <clears throat> Elizabeth, thank you for your kind comment. Uh, well, I really enjoyed our conversation here, and I had so many more questions, but you know, we just uh, got through so much uh, that, that was so fantastic. Um, so for those uh, watching, you can feel free. We're going to we, uh, repost this everywhere, so uh, certainly great content if you want to share it uh, with any friends to have them check it out. Uh, we have coming up on Thursday, uh, episode 52, Ed Carter, who's CRO at Zim Purian. Uh, that's going to be noon. Uh, we had a little, little uh, change up with some schedules. Usually we do uh, every Wednesday at noon. 
Uh, so we're being accommodating. And then uh, we have the uh, Alexander group on uh, Thursday at 2 p.m. That's going to be a, uh, doing a session on uh, using compensation uh, kind of as a strategic weapon and how you can uh, uh, shape some things going forward for next year's compensation plan. So check that out. And we also have uh, Brandon Sweeney, uh, CRO at HashiCorp, uh, who's going to be a guest there, which uh, you, you both uh, pro pro probably know that as well. Uh, great guy, great guy. People Brandon, should tune in for that. For Brandon's fa fantastic. So the compensation session is Thursday at 2, Ed Carter's Thursday at noon. And um, also, I always have to make sure I put in my shameless plug. So my book is uh, your go-to sales advisor. So you can get it on uh, Amazon or uh We've got our uh, landing page, salescommunity.com slash book. Lots of great tips and tricks in there. And uh, for those that are not members of sales community, please uh, feel free to check us out. And uh, most importantly, uh, Rola, really kind of fantastic. I've uh, really enjoyed getting to know you better. And uh, Armagon, certainly always always a pleasure. So uh, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you thanks, for having Andy. us. Thank you for having Thank us. You.